So today we're, we're finishing our series in Acts. We've been kind of going over the last few weeks what it means to be a disciple of Christ and what it was like for them in the early church. From Pentecost all the way through, probably over a 40-year period, to where we may be at the end of Acts with Paul in Rome. And we looked at Jesus saying to them, go and pray, go and wait and pray for the promise of the Holy Spirit to come. And then we see the outworking of that with Pentecost coming and then being filled with the Spirit to be sent out, to go and be sent ones, to be the to be the apostles, because that's what apostles mean, the sent ones, like an army general being sent and commissioned to go. And then we see in Acts 2.42 that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. That's what we, that's what we see the early church doing. And then we see this radical inclusion, first with, the, with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, Someone who wasn't supposed to, couldn't get access to God, being filled with the Spirit and being baptised there and then. A God-fearing person was now able to come into his presence, not because of his race or because of his genitalia or because of where he was from, but because the gospel had spread out and there was radical inclusion that included the Gentiles. And then we saw Cornelius and his family where Paul uh, sees this vision from God with all these animals and God says to him, take and kill and eat. And he says, well, I can't do that because, you know, they would make me unclean. And God says to him, well, though those things that were unclean are now clean. And then the next thing we see is some Gentiles knocking on his door and they go, they go with him and he goes with them and he shares the gospel to Cornelius and they're filled with the spirit and are baptised there and then. Someone, again, who wasn't supposed to be included, now radically included. And then last week we looked at the gospel going further out to these random group of people, a slave girl, someone of the low standing, filled with a demon, that out of frustration, Paul says, come on, get out of her. And this demon was going around telling everyone that they were the people that had the words to eternal life. And then also Lydia, a person, a dealer in cloth, that sort of through reason came to believe and was there uh, at the end of that season. But also the jailer that imprisoned them coming to faith. These are just normal things. Well, normal things. But these are things that kind of, they just met with on their daily basis. And we were challenged to think, who do we bump into that we could share the gospel with in every circumstance? But today we're looking at the end of Acts. We're looking at Paul in Rome. Paul in Rome. And in weeks to come, we'll be, we'll be thinking about the last few weeks of Jesus's ministry on earth. But we're looking at Paul in Rome. And it's almost his last stand. It's his last stand saying, come on, this is where we're going. And it's not the end of the story. The church lives on past Acts, doesn't get squashed, but grows through households and through uh, house churches and movements all the way until Caesar himself is baptised and we become a Christendom. There comes the, the Christendom age, the age where Christ is proclaimed king 
throughout the whole of the known world. But we won't get into it in history lesson because I'm a little bit of a nerd. We could go there, but let's not. But the church had something to offer. The church had hope for the future. And it's the same then as it is now. The church today, even in a coronavirus-filled state of panic, there is hope. There is hope for the future that God has a plan for us that goes on beyond death. That he brings peace into the chaos. These guys were facing death constantly for the gospel, but the Lord brings peace upon them and will do in our climate too. They reach communities that are in isolation because someone's gone to them and brought the words of eternal life. That God will give them, just as he does us, perspective in conflict. And we are in a fair amount of conflict in Telford. From local churches, but also from, from all sorts of spheres. The church then, just like it is now, is willing to stand up for justice. I was shocked to discover in the last two weeks that uh, a drop-in centre in Telford had 600 young people come to it with mental health related illnesses in one month. And I'm saying, come on, the church has got to rise up and take its place to bring hope. And the church then, as it is now, is there to bring the king into culture. Our culture has taken the king out of itself. It wants the kingdom without the king. And our job as the church is to bring the king back into culture. So I don't know about you, but I'm really excited about what God's doing in Telford and in our nation. I really am. We're, we're poised on the precipice of adventure, which I really like. I'm going, come on God, something's going on. It's almost like the, the Holy Spirit saying to us, go on, go on, jump, and I'll catch you. But as the church, are we willing to take the leap into the unknown? And are we willing to let the Spirit catch us? And it's a sense of excitement that um, has been felt all over the country. Leaders up and down the country from York and Newcastle, throughout the Midlands, even into London, there's a sense of expectancy that we're on the cusp of something new, that we're on the verge of renewal. And I'm going, come on, let's go! That we're in the, the beginnings of a new great awakening to the kingdom of God. And I've been sharing with some of those leaders that I really feel God saying that this next season is going to be a movement of joy. I felt the Lord put, putting it on my heart quite a number of times. Even this afternoon as I was preparing, I felt the Lord saying, it's a movement of joy. It's a movement of joy. My church is miserable. <laughs> Let the joy come. And we're going to have to kind of wake up to it. We're going to have to kind of go... Oh yeah, God, you are really bringing joy. Even though our faces don't say it, we might be happy inside. But I really feel that's what the Lord is saying to the church in this country. And I've shared it with, with bishops and archdeacons and all sorts of things. That joy is coming. That there's an end to the winter and the springtime has come. And we will see that out of a movement of prayer. I know some of us at Telfer have been fasting and praying over the last few weeks and we're going to still do that in the coming weeks but fasting and praying for what God is doing here and uh, I really believe that we're going to be seeing all sorts of things but are we listening are we listening to what the Spirit is saying 
And it's the question that Paul has in his, in his final statement. It's the last recorded words of St. Paul. It says this, let's read from Acts 28, verse 23 to 21. Acts, Acts 28, 23 to 21. It says this. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets. He tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul made his final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to our ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For the people's hearts have become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. Therefore I want you to know that God's salvation have been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. For two whole years Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Amazing, isn't it? That last statement, that last statement. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation have been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. So our question is, are we willing to listen? Are we listening what the Spirit is saying to the churches? Uh, during our worship, we had quite a few readings from Revelation. And the Spirit said to seven churches in sort of Asia Minor, lots and lots of different things, including, I stand at the door and knock. Those who hear my voice will welcome me in and I will eat with them. We see that in Revelation 3. But are we listening to what the Spirit is saying to the churches? I hope we are. Because Paul here is under house arrest in Rome and he is still preaching the gospel, even in the face of huge um, uproar. And we know that he's in chains because he was preaching the gospel. He went to see King Agrippa and Festus and he appeals to Caesar later on in Acts 26 because of the Jews. Because the Jews were trying to kill him because he was sharing the gospel. I don't think anyone in Telford is going to kill us because we're sharing the gospel. H is less certain about being, being killed for the gospel. But I don't think anyone is going to come after us because we're sharing the gospel. But I think people will be mean to us because we're sharing the gospel. People won't get it. People will say all sorts of random things against us. And Jesus has a lot to say about that in Matthew 5. They will say all kinds of evil against you and persecute you because of me. But great is your reward in heaven. But Paul here is in chains under house arrest in Rome and he's still preaching the gospel. He calls the local Jewish leaders together and begins to teach them. So that's just what's happened here in Acts 28. Is that Paul has gone to, in his normal fashion, gone to the synagogue leaders and then was going to go out to the Gentiles. And here he's kind of teaching with them and arguing. And eventually he says, right, well, come on, guys, let's set a date and we'll, we'll make a decision then. So they gather and more than he was expecting gathered. 
more than kind of just the, the local leaders. They all came together and he began to reason with them. He said that Jesus is the hope of Israel. The hope of Israel. Jesus is also the hope for Telford and the hope of Shropshire and the hope of this nation and of Europe. But we need to be awakened to it. I believe that the church needs to be awakened to it because we're losing it. And he witnesses to them morning till evening. Thankfully, we meet in the afternoon. Otherwise, I could go on from morning till evening and you'll be going, Matt, shut up. But also explaining the kingdom. Interesting, isn't it? That he explains the kingdom of God to the people that should have known it. I think for some of us in Telford, we might need to explain the kingdom of God to some of the people who should know God because we've lost something. He teaches them the law, the law of Moses and all the prophets. And he's all pointing to Jesus. He's saying Jesus is the fulfillment of all the law and all the prophets. And some of them, I'm sure, would have been really cross with him and saying, come on, you've, what do you mean? You're going to get rid of the law? He's saying, no, Jesus has fulfilled the law. And he's welcoming people in. It's all about Jesus. Now, it's interesting that there's a line in there that some were convinced. Some were convinced, but others weren't. Some people will decide to follow Jesus in Telford, and some won't. And that's really sad. It really is. I would love the whole 178,000 people in Telford to believe Jesus. I really would. But I also know that some people won't. But that's not something we have to carry. So many people will, will talk to me and say, but, but Matt, what about, what about those people who don't believe? How can God be good if those people don't believe? And I'm going, well, they've been given the option. They've been given an option to opt in. Just like some of these guys, the Jewish leaders at the time were given the option to opt in. Some people in Telford will be convinced about Jesus. Our job is to teach the word, to teach what the Lord has given us in the Bible and then let them be introduced to the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit in Telford that will draw people to Jesus. That's the Spirit's job. It's not the church's job to make people believe. Radical thinking. But sometimes we take onto ourselves as the church what's actually job, God's job to do. But it's not only that they heard and believed but in Paul's final statements to them, he begins to read Isaiah 6. He takes them all the way back to that. And let me read from you some of Isaiah 6. It says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. 
Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. Now these Jewish leaders would be familiar with that bit. The call of Isaiah, the call of the prophet to go. And when Paul starts to, starts to talk to the, these guys, they would have had that ringing in their ears. That God showed up and revealed himself. But then he says this, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding, ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's hearts have become callous. They, hear with their, they can hardly hear with their ears and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. Maybe that's what the Lord is saying to the churches in Telford and across this nation. Are we seeing what God is doing? Are we able to see the new thing? Are we hearing and are we understanding what the Spirit is saying to the churches? Because we can become so, so insular, so isolated from what the Spirit's saying. We're just in churches for a good time. But the Lord's saying, go out, go out. It's for the nations. And I think that's what the Lord is saying to us at Telford Minster is to go out. To not have callous hearts. To not have our ears blocked. To not close our eyes. But to go. That we might share the gospel and people might hear it. That it might be understood. And that people might turn to Jesus and be healed. Our culture in 2020, our church culture, is not really to hear what the Spirit's saying, but to just fill our lives with noise that isn't what God is actually saying. Our churches are way too busy that we don't see what he's doing. Way too noisy that we don't hear what he's doing. Sometimes we just assume what God is saying rather than actually taking the time to listen. That's our culture in the church, but that's also our wider culture. Are we prepared to let the Lord speak? As I was preparing, I felt the Lord saying, I'm going to be sifting my church. I'm going to be sifting my church in this land. I'm going to be sifting my church in Telford. And that's quite scary. I'm going to be sifting what is wheat and what is chaff. And I wonder if we're ready for that. Because we are going to be sifted along with all the others. It's already starting to happen. And we're seeing churches fall away. And we're seeing churches rise up. Which is really exciting. Because I think in two years time, Telford will have a very different spiritual climate. Because God has shifted us. Change is coming. I'm going to be sending the gospel to the Gentiles. Paul is saying here in Acts 28. And they will listen The Lord is saying to us, Telford Minster, go to Telford and share with them the gospel. They will listen. But if we don't go, they won't hear. And my real heart is that the church wouldn't be blind to the move of the Spirit. But it'll be open to seeing Jesus in our community saying, come. Come, it's time to wake up. It's time to to move. It's time to not be sleepy. But are we open to it? Are we open to sharing the gospel? We've received the gospel. We've got the keys to the kingdom. But are we there to unlock it? Um, in 2010, I was really, I was praying, saying, God, what, what do you want with my life? And I uh, heard almost audibly God saying, or I said to God, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. 
Never, ever pray that prayer because it will absolutely wreck your life because he's going to take you at face value. And I said, go break my heart for what breaks yours. And I audibly heard the Lord saying, my church is breaking my heart. My church is breaking my heart because it's not reaching the poor. It's not reaching the lonely. It's not reaching the lost. It's traded the gospel for something that isn't right. It's traded the gospel for an insulating, feel-good feeling on a Sunday morning. And the God is saying, it's breaking my heart. So I wonder if we are going to be a church that is moved by God's heart for the lost, for the broken, for those who are desperate for something else. Some people will follow us. Some people will follow the Spirit's call, but some people won't. Are we hearing the call that God gave to Isaiah for ourselves? Whom will I send to Telford? I wonder what our response is. Is it here I am, send me? Or is it here I am, please leave me alone because it's inconvenient? My prayer is that we will all be saying, God, here, here I am. Send me to my workplace. Send me to my school. Send me to my neighbours. Send me to my family. Because that's how we're going to see the nation changed. I don't think it's going to be in big, big, big uh, auditoriums filled with people, he says, as we're about to build a 300-seater church. I think some of it will, but I think it's going to be us as normal Christians sharing the gospel with people we know. Being open to being grilled. Being open to not, not being insular, but being open to what he has to say. So what do you say then? If the Lord calls, will you say, here I am, send me. How about we pray?